Welcome into today's episode of the Locked On Senators podcast. The Senators hop on the train and head to Montreal for a road game against the Canadians tonight. We'll preview what the Sens need to do to get the W. And hey, it's Daniel Alfredson's 47th birthday today, so happy birthday to Alfie. So we're going to reflect on his career and some of our favorite moments And we'll look into bottom feeders, our segment about bottom feeding teams in the league. Will the Sharks pick be better than the Senators? All that and more on the Locked On Senators podcast, your team every day. Hello, Sens fans, and welcome to the Locked On Senators podcast. I'm Brandon Piller, joined today by Chris Parliament and Chris we got quite an exciting game on our hands tonight as the Sens, like I said, they hopped on the train to head to Montreal as they were at home just last uh, for their last game. So what do you have uh, coming into this game as the Senators take on an Atlantic division rival in Montreal? Always a funny game when the, the road team seems to be a little more settled in than the home team. You know, the, like you said, they hopped on the rails, but it was yesterday. So they've already had a night in Montreal. They're probably more relaxed than a Montreal team that got a big 4-1 win over the Penguins last night. So it's a back-to-back game for them. And I was looking at the numbers of the game last night, and I think that tonight's game is going to be a game where you got to roll all four lines and be able to be comfortable. Because you look at the Montreal game last night, again, 4-1 win. No player in the forward lines played more than 17 and a half minutes last night. So they were able to roll through everybody, and it's kind of a similar situation when you're stacking these two teams up because obviously both teams are in rebuilding mode, lots of young players being brought into the lineup, so you got to depend on veterans more. And the guy who played the most minutes last night, I believe it was right around the 17-13 mark, was Philip Deneau. And how comparable is he to a guy like Jean-Gabriel Pajot? I think this is going to be a game where it's going to be a tight one. Last time they played, it was 2-1. So I think tonight we're going to see two teams kind of playing similar styles of game. And uh, it's going to be interesting. Yeah, and just to kind of go over that uh, that 4-1 win over the Penguins, I don't know if you've taken notice, Chris, but Tristan Yari has been absolutely on a tear lately. But the Habs, they were able to cool him down. He had a shutout streak, I didn't even realize this, of 177 minutes before Tatar scored on him. And then the Habs scored uh, four straight goals. So it's going to be tough for the Senators to kind of come into Montreal and hold off a team that's coming off a hot win like that. But luckily for the Senators, they're not on the back-to-back. Like you said, they got there early. So how's that going to help them coming into this game against the Habs tonight? I think the message for DJ Smith is just play the same game we played. And he's allowing them to do that tonight. It's going to be the exact same lineup as we saw in the 5-2 win over Boston. Didn't touch a thing. It'll be interesting to see how many minutes guys like Logan Brown are able to get. And Jonathan Davidson, who played just over six minutes, I believe, in the last game. And a guy like Maxime Lajoie. But he really liked what he saw last game out of Anders Nielsen. So he's going to get the start again tonight between the pipes. Obviously, Anders Nielsen kept him in that game. DJ Smith said, told the uh, Ottawa Sun, probably Bruce Garriock, we all know, that... <laughs> He was the reason they won that game. He shut the door in the second period, and he certainly did. Really, in the second half of that entire game, he was the reason the Senators stayed in it. But he also mentioned he liked the block shot numbers. So things are going to stay the same tonight. I think you've got to just have the same game plan. And for DJ Smith, you got to keep things light, I think, and just keep this young group doing what they have to do 
to uh, continue to win hockey games. Yeah, and uh, you touched on it earlier uh, about the last time these two teams met was a 2-1 overtime win uh, back in November. And I remember that game, and that was a hard-fought game. And really, it came down to the OT winner where our boy, Brady Kachuk, he got the game-winner goal in overtime off a nice pass from Chris Tierney. And then we saw something that we don't usually see from a guy like Brady, his speed. I mean, he was chugging along, just going so fast right by, I believe it was Thomas Tatar. And then he beats Carey Price on a breakaway just 38 seconds into overtime. And I saw some quotes. I was looking back at the game recap for that. And here's some of the quotes from that game. Kachuk said, he's one of the best goalies in the NHL or the best. So it's definitely something I'll remember when he scored that goal. And then Carey Price even had some high praise for Brady saying he had a lot of speed. I was trying to match his speed and he made a pretty good move there. So when you have a guy as uh, elite and uh, well-known as Carey Price praising a part of your game that you're not really known for, it's uh, in speed with Brady Kachuk. He's known more for getting into opponents' heads and uh, being a real pest out on the ice. And then he compliments the move he had there too. So you got to love hearing that uh, about one of our best prospects uh, in Brady Kachuk. And that was part of Ottawa's hot uh, winning streak. They won six of eight games during that stretch. So if they can uh, have a game similar to uh, that 2-1 overtime win last time they played, I think they'll be off to a, a pretty good start. I agree. But looking back on that game, it was kind of a game where it was a 2-1 game, but there was no teeth being shown. There was no bite. And I was surprised by that because of the characters in the lineup. But you mentioned Brady Chuck left his mark. That's one of his two game-winning goals on the season. And ho-hum, six hits, led the game in that one. So he is a guy that's still going to stir it up. But I expect a lot more tonight, especially after a game like that in Philadelphia on Saturday. Uh, guys like Brandon Gallagher, Max Domi, we can know what they're capable of doing on the ice. And guys like Brady Kachuk. So, um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what they're able to bring. And I just, yeah, you look at Brady Kachuk in games like that, and it seems like he's the one that's going to step out and take advantage of those games where it's built up in their heads and stuff like that. P going into a place like the Bell Center where there's that rivalry, division, geographically, you're right beside each other and stuff like that. But I wanted to touch on this too because tonight's a big game for two Ottawa Senators. Tonight is going to be game number 400 for John Gabriel Pajot. So it's going to be cool for him to do it in Montreal. And Ron Hainsey, game number 1100 in the NHL tonight. That's a big number. And what's really cool is he's doing it against the team who drafted him and where he started his NHL career in Montreal. Bruce Garriott had a nice little article again on The Sun about that, and he was saying how Ron Hainsey definitely isn't a stats guy. He doesn't really follow numbers like that, but even Ron Hainsey said, yeah, it's pretty cool. I'm back where it all started for game number 1100. Yeah, those are definitely some interesting milestones, and I mean, we all know what uh, Jean-Gabriel Pajot can do when he heads into uh, Quebec. He's often shown that that's where he shines the brightest, and uh, Ron Hainsey, like you said, stick taps to him. That's quite the milestone uh, to have played that long and to get to do it back in Montreal where it all sort of began, but a guy who is nowhere near either of those games played milestones is going to be uh, likely the starter tonight after a back-to-back -back where Carey Price played last night and got the win. Caden Primu, what do you got on him, Farley? 
Well, yeah, he's got one career game, so I got pretty much nothing on Caden Primo right now. But, uh, yeah, he's a guy that it's pretty cool at 20 years old. He's already kind of making, not an impact, but he's able to contribute at the NHL level after being taken in the seventh round. That's pretty cool. And I got this one note because guys like this, when you don't really have much on them, you kind of look at what they did in their junior years and what they're known for. This guy, I'm a huge college hockey fan, and this guy was in one of my favorite college hockey games over the past five years. He was the guy who backstopped uh, Northeastern to their first Beanpot title in 30 years, and that was a game where Adam Gaudet threw home that hat trick to secure the Hobie Baker Award. So that was a really big game. I really liked watching that one. So when I think Caden Premio, that's where my mind goes. And I mean, he's got one career game played where he played Colorado, only allowed three goals. So that's pretty good against an offense like that. It'll be cool to see him play tonight. Um, another uh, guy that's coming in, his dad played in the league for a long time. So it's cool to see another guy come in like that. And I guess we're just getting into a new era of the NHL. Yeah, yeah, you you love those beanpot math uh, tournaments. <laughs> I certainly do. It's interesting and kind of an interesting connection too. So if you look, uh, Primu was a seventh round pick, 199th overall in 2017, and now he's probably the Habs' biggest goalie prospect. You gotta love uh, seeing tendies who are late round draft picks like that have success. And I mean, it was uh, very similar to friend of the show Joey Decord who was also a seventh-round pick, 199th overall in two, 2015, uh, two years earlier than Primo. But uh, you mentioned he only has one NHL start, and that was a loss to the Avalanche where it made 32 saves. But he's actually spent uh, a couple a couple games in the minors in Laval. He played Belleville three times this season in Laval. And he didn't get a win in any of them. So good on the B sense for shutting him down. And... Most recently, he had a loss on the 27th against the Belleville Senators. He let five goals in on 20 shots. So that's not what you want to see from a young goalie prospect if you're the Habs. And interestingly enough, I took a look at his uh, game logs this year, Parley, and he's been doing pretty good up until he meets the Belleville Senators. I mean, each time he's played against Belleville, he's uh, had a win streak snapped. He's got two wins, and then Laval came to Bell Vegas, and they dropped that game. He let in three goals there. And then he went on a three-game win streak, and then Belleville came to Laval, and they lost that game. And then he goes on another two-game win streak. And then, what do you know? Laval heads back to Bell Vegas, and it's another loss. That's the one I was just talking about where he lets in five goals. So, clearly, at least Belleville has this guy's number. Hopefully, we can uh, translate that up into uh, the NHL roster. Bell Vegas is a wagon, so you can't really blame him for that. Let's see if we can have some organizational success against him in tonight's game. Assuming, of course, he does get the start. We aren't quite sure what the lineup looks like yet. Yeah, and going into tonight's game, uh, might as well stick on the topic of Primu. Uh, I would say one of the biggest keys for the Sens to win this game is challenge him early on. You know, like this is a young goalie prospect. He's only played one NHL game and then only he hasn't even played that many games uh, in the AHL, only 12 games in the AHL. So this is a guy who's very young into his professional career. So I want to see the Sens get pucks on net, bodies in front, 
Don't look for that extra pass or trying to make a pretty play. Just keep it simple. And I think if they can jump on them early, they can quiet down that crowd at the Bell Center and they can be off to a good start. Uh, what are some other things, some keys to the game that you have for the Sens tonight? Just keep it the same. You got to keep your feet moving and you got to be opportunistic. We talked about that being the big key in the 5-2 win against Boston. And it was early that they were opportunistic. The Dylan DeMello pass to Artem Anisimov to spring him on a break. You got to be willing to jump those plays when you get the opportunity to do so and not hang back. Uh, DJ Smith definitely puts an emphasis on the defensive style of game. We've seen it with the shot blocks all throughout the season. But when you have those opportunities, you got to be able to strike on them. And that's what they were able to do. Uh, you got to have that kind of north-south mentality and always be trying to go forward with the puck. So I think against a good skating team like Montreal, you're going to be able to do something like that. Find some holes in maybe a younger, weaker style lineup than you saw against Boston. So yeah, just keep going. Look for those stretch passes if they're available like DeMello did to Artem Anisimov. And it's just taking advantage of opportunities that you get. And uh, the Senators often outshot were able to do that in a game where they were outshot against Boston. Yeah, and speaking of taking advantage of uh, opportunities, I've got some notes here on uh, some of the ways that they can do that. And I mean, what better way to take advantage of opportunities than when you're on the man advantage? And I know that's been a sore spot for uh, the Sens this year. They're still the worst power play team in the league. They don't even have double digits uh, percentage in success rate on the power play, but... Good news, Parley. The halves penalty kill is terrible. They're 28th in the league at 75.8% uh, success rate on the PK. Only the Sabres, Kings, and uh, Wings are worse. So that's where the Senators are really going to have to pounce on them when they know they're at their weakest. And this is a chance for the Senators to spike up some of those power play numbers. And guys like Tyler Ennis, Anthony Declare, Thomas Shabbat, they can uh, pad their stats, hopefully, by getting some points on the power play. And yesterday, we talked a lot about the shot blocking. Will the Sens have their work cut out for them tonight as this, uh, the Montreal Canadiens, they average the most shots per game in the entire league at 34.9 per game. So it's extra important if the Sens want to stay in this game, they got to get in the lanes, lay down the body, and block some of those shots. From special teams play to a special birthday for a special player for the Ottawa Senators. December 11th is Daniel Alfredson's birthday, number 11 for the Ottawa Senators. And he turns 47 years old today. What a career he had. He had 17 years as an Ottawa Senator. We won't mention another year that he had. That's not really important. 13 years as the team captain. Chris, what more can you say about Daniel Alfredson? Arguably the greatest player to ever don an Ottawa Senators uniform. Just quality and consistency combined. I mean, you can't say anything more about this guy. He just brought it every single night. Um, Ross mentioned it in the last time we talked about Daniel Alfredson on this show. Not many players can be the leading point getter on their team in their rookie season and in their last season. I mean, consistency, consistency, consistency. Unbelievable guy, class act, so much fun to watch. It's what you look for in a captain for an NHL team. 
Yeah, Chris, that's an interesting stat. I didn't realize that uh, he led the team in his first year and his last year uh, as an Ottawa Senator. So like you said, just consistency. And honestly, as we move into reflecting into the career, uh, great career of Daniel Alfredson, that's got to be one of his biggest, biggest accomplishments as an Ottawa Senator as well. He's the only Ottawa Senator uh, in his very first year to win the Calder Trophy. No other senator has won the Calder Trophy. He won it in 1996 with 26 goals and 35 assists. Chris, you must have watched every game that season, eh? I was born that year, so of course I was. I had nothing else going on. Didn't have to go to work or go to school or anything, so I was always sitting in front of the TV with a beer in my hand, of course. But uh, yeah, you talk about big accomplishments for him. The one that comes to mind is obviously scoring the goal to send them to the Cup Final in 07. That's always kind of the big one. Um, tough to argue. I mean, you're trying to get to the cup final, and that's what you're doing in your career. Uh, yeah, he's he was an unbelievable player, and I think that one's like the number one moment, biggest accomplishment for him as a senator. So those are some of his big accomplishments. But when you play 17 years on one team, the moments that you have uh, through that franchise are just endless. But we're going to go through some of our favorite moments. Parley, why don't you start us off? What was one of your favorite moments for Daniel Alfredson as an Ottawa senator? I feel like having an NHL team in Ontario, you're constantly in the shadow of the Toronto Maple Leafs and you don't get as much love. Like a guy like Matt Sundin is a legend, but Daniel Alfredson doesn't get half as much love as he should. Obviously we're going to give it to him on this show. And the one time he did get the love he deserved. And it's a memory that ingrained in my mind was the standing ovation in front of the crowd at the 2011 all-star game in Ottawa. He scored a highlight reel goal and a breakaway Everybody on the ice stopped, kind of went to the bench and stood there and let Alfie have that moment in, in what kind of seemed like might be the last couple years maybe of his career in Ottawa, or his career as a, as a whole. So, I mean, getting to see that moment where the entire NHL stopped when all eyes are on it, showcasing the best talent they have, and he got that moment, that one was a big one for me. And then I guess I have a second one as well. I mean, you mentioned how many he's had. Uh, when he got his 1,000th career point, he did it in style. Empty netter, hat trick goal, let the hats fly. That's a pretty cool moment for a guy like that. And pretty cool little stat, too. He was only the 75th player at the time to hit the 1,000th career point mark. Yeah, definitely some uh, some great moments there. And that was his eighth, uh, or he had, sorry, eight hat tricks in his time with the Senators. That's the most in franchise history. And I'm going to bring it back to a point you originally said. The Senators, for a long time, uh, being the second team in Ontario, have had a tough time kind of breaking out from under the leaf shadow. And the Battle of Ontario has been arguably one of the best rivalries in the entire league, especially when it was in its prime in the years of, like you mentioned, Sundin and Alfredson. And speaking of those two guys, one of the best moments, I think, for me, for Alfredson was in the 2003-2004 season, we all remember when Matt Sundin, he broke his stick uh, on a shot playing against the Predators. And then after that, he was so pissed off that he missed that shot and his twig uh, broke on him that he tossed his broken stick into the crowd. I mean, that's kind of like a instincts play. He's just upset, but that's actually pretty dangerous. He's lucky that the fan that caught that uh, piece of composite stick wasn't hurt at all, and he did get a penalty on that play. So not a very professional-looking move for the captain of your team, for Matt Sundin there. But what do you know? Next game was against the Ottawa Senators, 
And as soon as I saw this replay, I was taken back to the days when the Sens just absolutely destroyed the Leafs in the Battle of Ontario. And, of course, in this game, they were up 7-1 on the Leafs already. you got to miss those days. And Alfredson, he breaks his stick on a shot. And what does he do? He goes for the fake stick toss into the crowd. I mean, just good awareness by Alfie to, uh, to have that call back to uh, that fake stick toss. And the Leafs bench after, they were furious. Tucker was absolutely losing his mind. So you got to love it when the Sens can get into the minds of uh, Leafs players like that. And then another uh, Sens-Leafs moment, he scored the first ever NHL shootout goal on the first ever NHL shootout shot October 5th 2005 at the ACC against the Leafs he beat Eddie Belfort low glove side and then Heatley ended up winning it later in the shootout so those are two moments especially against the Leafs that uh, I'll always remember oh yeah and you talk about a guy like Daniel Alfredson and his career he put together and stuff like that and that's when you kind of wonder when his knock's going to come for the Hall of Fame. And Ross and I have had this argument in the past on this show. I guess not an argument because we both agree he should be in it. But when you look at it, I mean, look at his resume. It's just a matter of time before he's in the Hall. 1,000-point and game club, 400-goal club, and he's decorated on the international side as well. He led Team Sweden and the tournament in total, in total points, and he won the gold medal. So it's the Hockey Hall of Fame, not the NHL Hall of Fame. I think that's what people forget a lot of the time. So I think even his NHL resume is good enough to get into the Hall, just a matter of time, but his international, it puts him over the edge. I think... And if it's not this year, it's next year for Daniel Alfredson. He deserves to be in there, and that's going to be a great day for Sens fans. Yeah, he's a guy that, uh, even if you're not a Sens fan, I think you have to respect the career that he has and just an absolute stud, one of the best Swedish hockey players to play the game. So number 11, December 11th, happy birthday to Daniel Alfredson. It's always nice to reflect on some better times uh, in the Sens history. Those times... They've changed, and the Senators, it's the year of the tank. So we're going to take a look at uh, some of the bottom feeders in the league uh, in today's NHL. The Sharks are sliding. The Red Wings are tanking better than anyone else can do it right now. And you've got a guy that you want to highlight that the Sens should take a look at uh, to draft in the upcoming draft in the first round. Yeah, and if the if the draft were to happen today, the Senators have the odds that would get them the third pick in the draft. So, funny enough, Cole Perfetti, he's a guy that looks like he's going to go third behind Alexi Lafreniere and Quinton Byfield, who we've already profiled on this bottom feeder segment. So let's get right into it. Cole Perfetti, 45 points in 29 games for the Saginaw Spirit this year. And the profile on him coming into this year was he was a smaller guy. He's five foot ten, about 180 pounds. But for his size, his feet weren't quick enough, really. He didn't have the speed that was going to blow you out of the water like a Cole Caulfield, funny enough, playing the Habs tonight, a former pick from them in the first round. Yeah. But what makes up for his speed is his elite shot and hockey IQ. And then this year, he's come in and he's added to that on the offensive side of things, adding playmaking to his arsenal. You look at last year's numbers, he played 63 games in Saginaw. He only had 37 assists. Well, I say only, but he had 37 assists. This year, he's already up to 30 assists in 29 games played. Listed as a centerman, probably going to get moved to the wing, most scouts think, but they're projecting him to be a top-line winger. So getting a top-six prospect is top-six forward as a prospect is never something to shake a stick at. 
and I love player comparables, so I'm going to make one for you. I think this guy kind of is going to take the same career trajectory moving from the center to the wing when he gets to the National League level, kind of a smaller guy, is Alex DeBrinkett in Chicago. And I think about that because he's got the hockey sense to get himself into areas where his small stature doesn't really matter anymore, and his shot's going to allow him to get shots off quickly. I think he's one of those guys that can score from anywhere below the blue line. So you look at a guy like Alex Dabrinkit, a lot of one-timers, quick off his stick. I see that coming up for Cole Perfetti. And I mean, Bob McKenzie, he left us with this at the draft preview at the start of the year. Elite shot, elite sense, elite skill, say no more. Well, that sounds pretty good to me. And I mean, I really hope, I know you love your player comparable. So that's uh, that's good to hear that a guy that you're kind of zoning in on it as a relatable player is to bring it. And man, if Perfetti can put the puck in the net like to bring it can uh, early on in his NHL career already, that's going to be huge because the Sens, I mean, you said that it's likely that uh, he'll play on the wing instead of center position. They've got Brady Kachuk there, but Brady Kachuk is definitely not uh, an elite goal scorer. He makes uh, his money in different ways along the ice. So if they can get a guy like that who is, I think you rhymed off four different elite uh, categories that Bob McKenzie uh, had him in, if they can get a guy that can help them score more goals on the wing, that's going to be just great for this rebuilding team going forward. And he can perform in big games too. Uh, his name might sound familiar because of the Ivan Halinka tournament a couple of years ago. He had a couple of goals and then scored a shootout goal that, again, Bob McKenzie referred to as a pyrotechnic goal. He's just so so electric out there. So, yeah, he can show up in big moments. It's an interesting guy, but, Biller, you mentioned the Red Wings earlier, kind of running away with this tank. I got a stat for you. 11 straight losses, goal differential, minus 58 over those 11 straight losses. Well, you know what? That's a tanking team, and if, if you're going to tank, you might as well tank hard, so I guess you got to tip your cap to them because that's about as bad as you can get. I mean, uh, yeah, their last win was an OT win against the Ducks on November 12th. What, uh, what are some reasons, do you think, why this Red Wings team is just struggling so bad? I mean, right now they're in a situation where it's you get young guys like Robbie Fabry to come in and stuff like that, and he's going to add, he's going to help out a lot. And they've got young players, Anthony Mantha, Dylan Larkin, Tyler Bertuzzi. That line was lights out for a good stretch of the season to start. And then you got guys like I mentioned, Robbie Fabry. You got a couple other youngsters coming over. Their defense has been hurt a lot. They don't really have that number one goaltender. So they're in a spot where they are rebuilding. It's for sure. But I mean, when you got a guy like Stevie Y at the helm, you can't get him down for long. And of course, this is the year that they're playing so bad. I mean, it's almost assumed right now they're getting the number one pick. So a guy like Alexi Lafreniere to be under the tutelage of Stevie Y, that's going to be a lot of fun to watch in the future. But I mean, the Sens, they were gonna, they're going to have some fun in the first round this year too, the way the Sharks are playing lately. Yeah, and that's where I was going to go to next, uh, bottom feeder segment. Usually a shark isn't really a bottom feeder. They're usually the top of the food chain, but it seems like they're sliding down the food chain recently, especially they're sliding down in the standings. Uh, we tweeted out, uh, Ross did from the Locked On Senators podcast Twitter account. If you don't already follow us, it's at Send Central on Twitter. But he tweeted out the last five games for the Sharks, 0-4-1 record. Seven goals for and 23 goals against. I mean, when you have one of the best decors in the entire league, you think you'd be able to keep the puck out of your net a little bit better than that, eh, Parley? 
Yeah, it's tough to say what's going on right now for the Sharks. That's a good team on paper, but they just can't seem to put it all together right now. Um, I mean, for one last ride for Joe Thornton, I don't think he had this expected. Yeah, and I mean, a struggling Sharks team, they might end up having a worse pick uh, than the Senators because just looking at competition-wise, they're in a tough, tough division, and there's not much wiggle room there. If you're if you're going to suffer in the Pacific Division, then you're not going to last with the big boys. I mean, you got you got some other uh, rebuilding teams in the Kings and the Ducks, but I would say even they're just just about as good as the Sharks right now with how the Sharks are playing, and especially if they can't get better goaltending out of Jones and Dell, they're in real big trouble. So. Sens are just licking our chops every time the Sharks uh, take a loss in the L column. But Parley, you had another good stat about another bottom-feeding team in the East, one that we're very familiar with in the Columbus Blue Jackets, and that's actually uh, the game on the weekend after Montreal. What what do you got for us on the bottom-feeding Columbus Blue Jackets? Well, we remember back when Yarmo Kekalainen kind of went all-in, and they did have that magical first round against Tampa Bay where – John Tortorella kind of had his team running through a brick wall trying to beat that Tampa team, and they did. They swept them, which was pretty unbelievable at the time. But the Senators were a big part of that, moving Ryan Dezingle and Matt Duchesne over there. And if you look at those trades to date, the only thing Columbus has left from those deals is a seventh-round pick. Ottawa remaining from those two deals? Stick with me here, people, because it's a long list. Vitaly Abramov, Jonathan Davidson, Lassie Thompson, Anthony Duclair, a 2020 second round pick and a 2021 second round pick. That's a couple wins in the trade department for good old Pierre from Orleans. Yeah, tough look for the Blue Jackets. And I mean, when all you have to show for making uh, that all in push at the trade deadline is a seventh round pick and winning your first ever franchise playoff series. That's that's tough moving forward, and they're going to have a hard time recovering from that. Um, anything else for you, Parley, before we wrap things up here? I got two things. At least Columbus got to see a guy like Adam McQuaid in their home jersey, so that's something you can tell your kids about. <laughs> and uh, happy birthday to Daniel Alfredson. Yeah, big, big happy birthday to number 11, born on December 11th. You got to love the, the number relations there. So that's all for us on the Locked On Senders podcast. I'm Brandon Piller, joined by Chris Parliament today. And we'll talk to you tomorrow on the Locked On Senders podcast, your team every day.